Dispatch, this is Mindy at ME Flow. Well, boy, it's getting cold out there. If your heater's making funny noises, just needs a once-over, or your home isn't as warm as it used to be, visit MEFlow.com. ME Flow, license 271-001-2450. Odd Trails is a true paranormal podcast. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. You just trust. Believe. Near-Birth Experience by Nurley Beck 2244 I have had this memory for a long time now. I started remembering only small parts of it when I was seven, and kept remembering bits and pieces throughout my life. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. This memory is from what you would call the other side, and these are not dreams. So there I was, in a void. I couldn't see anything. There was no sense of temperature, and I felt no emotions. I also didn't have a body. I was floating at great speed, essentially playing around, since I realized I was an orb of light. Even though I didn't really feel anything, I guess you could say I was happy, zipping around in every direction, the other glimpse of my memory is of me waiting in line somewhere, like at an airport waiting to check in. Everything was white, and there were other orbs like me. The other memory I have is when I got to choose my life. During this choosing phase, there were two beings with me, one with male energy and the other female. The male was to my right and the female was on my left. We were in a dark void of some sort. I was presented with thousands of different planets, worlds to live in. There were so many I could choose from. They were presented on screens. I saw a futuristic city-like metropolis, and the feeling I got from that world was that it was a very advanced civilization. On another screen I saw a reptile-human hybrid, he had just gotten out of a cave to view the landscape. It was nighttime, and the area or world he was in was dark blue and rocky. It was overwhelming to choose just one life, and I sensed that there was pressure for me to hurry up. I was eventually recommended by some spiritual guides or entities to go to the planet Earth. Then I was to decide which family I wanted what year I wanted to incarnate to, and what kind of life I was going to have. There were maybe three or four options I could choose from. As I was considering my options, I was once again given a recommendation by the spirit guides. They wanted me to choose one family over another. 
I saw glimpses of what that life would be like, and I saw that I would get to experience life in other countries. I also saw what my body would look like. I was shown the advantages of the life I was going to live. It seemed like this life would be much more relaxed in comparison to other options I was considering. I was still told that internal suffering was inevitable, especially my life after my 20s. I only saw glimpses of the life I am living now. From the point of my orb self, I was excited for this life. I would even say naive. Yet I knew that it wasn't going to be easy. But it was the easiest from the other options. I told the spiritual guides that I want to remember this moment. And there were now three of them discussing this in front of me. I couldn't comprehend exactly what they were communicating though. The next thing I remember is floating over the earth, and I felt like there was a pressure behind me to hurry up and go through some sort of tube I entered, or rather was sucked in, almost magnetically. Instantly, I felt afraid. I was shot like a bullet, down to earth at great speed. I said to myself to remember this memory, and there I was being bulleted to earth zooming at the speed of light. From my perspective, I wanted to stop and explore the earth as a floating orb, but I couldn't control the force that was moving me. As I was approaching the destination, I decided I was going to research everything about this planet and feel this freedom again. Then, there was white light, or rather a flash, signifying that I had already entered the womb and boom, darkness again. At some point, I remember seeing myself from the third-person perspective, and I shifted into my body, back into the first person. I was excited and ran to the mirror to see. As I looked, I realized that it wasn't me, and I was in a body that wasn't mine. I was surprised that I could move my hands for the first time. I understand that this is all a bit all over the place, but those are my true memories from the other side. The Woods of Appalachia by J.H. Bingo when I was in high school, about 15 years ago, a group of friends and I were hanging out at our friend Dale's house. For some backstory, we lived way out in the country, also technically part of Appalachia, and kind of in the middle of nowhere, where the nearest neighbors are miles up the road. Dale had a cave near his property that we liked to explore and be dumb teenagers in. To get to the cave, you had to walk roughly a mile through dense woods and cross a big field. We had yet to find the end of this cave system, despite exploring for hours at a time, multiple times. One day, we had spent the better part of the afternoon exploring the caves, and it had gotten dark by the time we emerged. We already had flashlights, so it wasn't a big deal. My memory is a bit fuzzy on the exact details, but for some reason, our friend Sam 
decided to go back to the house a little earlier. I want to say that we ordered pizza or something, and he went to meet the driver. The rest of us started making our way back through the woods to Dale's house when we started hearing voices in the woods. We were asking each other if we actually heard that and where it came from. But we had a different direction of where we each thought it was coming from. It was a childlike voice. It sounded like somebody talking or whispering, but you couldn't make out what was being said. At this point, we thought that one of our friends was messing with us, so we started to talk back to it. It sounded like a child giggling, and then our flashlights began to flicker and die. We had one dim light left to get the rest of the way back home. We were all thoroughly freaked out, prank or not, and we hightailed it back to the house, adrenaline pumping. We all got into the house and shut the door. We felt a sense of safety for a split second before the crucifix on the wall came off of the wall and broke on the floor. It seemed like something out of a really bad horror movie, but we all watched it legitimately come off of the wall and crash to the ground for no apparent reason. Before that moment, I was still convinced it was Sam who was messing with us, even though he wasn't the type. We all started yelling at Sam trying to explain what had just happened and questioning if he had something to do with it, but he genuinely seemed freaked out and confused. He said that on his way back to the house earlier, he kept hearing weird things and seeing lights in the woods. He thought it was us trying to prank him. I don't know what it was. Maybe our friend is a great actor, but I honestly don't think it was a prank. The feeling that I got in the woods like every hair was standing on end, the goosebumps on my goosebumps, and every fiber of my being screaming to run. I've never felt like that again, and I never want to. Tired of dodging prying questions from judgmental relatives? Don't let uncomfortable conversations follow you to the doctor's office. Meet ZocDoc, where finding a caring doctor who listens is a breeze. Skip the awkwardness with their extensive network of tens of thousands of doctors, all backed by verified patient reviews, because your health matters, and so does feeling heard. Say goodbye to uncomfortable encounters, and hello to a healthcare experience that fits you. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doctor that you want, you can book them immediately. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. All these doctors have verified reviews from actual real patients. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated, patient-reviewed, credible doctors and specialists. Plus, you can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat basically any condition you're searching for. The typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. If I need a doctor, 
I'm going with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com trails and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's zocdoccom slash trails. ZocDoc.com slash trails. Now back to the show. I Felt My Great-Grandmother Pass Away by Own War 6919 I'm from Brazil, which is a traditionally Catholic country, but with significant influence from African religions. But I'm not a particularly religious person, nor do I tend to believe in the supernatural. But my great-grandmother was quite spiritual and a sort of religious leader within my community until recently, as she was too old to practice and time had taken some of her wisdom away. I was lucky enough to have her around for the entirety of my childhood and most of my teenage years. She unfortunately passed away last December, under less than ideal circumstances and with considerable discomfort. Despite her old age, she was very independent, and insisted she didn't need help to move around, and she never had any incidents until she tripped on her way to the bathroom and broke her left arm. The bones of old people have a certain tendency to shatter rather than break. This triggered a series of medical incidents that eventually claimed her life. Not only did her arm break, but she apparently had internal bleeding, had an infection, and suffered a stroke in the hospital as well. Not only that, but she was too old to undergo surgery under those conditions. The surgeons we approached were reluctant to risk the procedure, despite the high pay. The moment she passed away, I was reading on the couch when I was struck by a certain sensation in my chest, one that I cannot hope to accurately translate into words. It felt as though my heart had skipped a beat out of shock and my lungs had been filled with fresh air after a moment of asphyxiation. The sensation couldn't have lasted more than five seconds, though after it was over, I was left with what I can only describe as a mix of restlessness, but simultaneously relief from all the concerns that seemed to plague me at the time, then melancholy by the short experience. Minutes later, I got a call from my crying aunt and learned that my great-grandmother had passed away. I then had to inform my father by myself. For context, she was the one who raised my father, as my grandparents were divorced and my grandmother didn't have the means to take care of him. I didn't share the experience with any of my relatives and only chose to do so here because I'll have the advantage of anonymity and consequently shouldn't have to fear judgment. You can call me crazy, but I think I felt the moment she passed away. This could very well be completely devoid of any spiritual meaning, but I like to think of it as a farewell.
Someone Else Showed Up by Ma Jude. Earlier this year, my husband went through a terrifying, life-threatening event. I won't go into any of the details, but at the time of this story, he was still bedbound, and we were staying at my parents' house. Here's some relevant background. My parents' house is big. Two floors, a rooftop apartment, and a basement. It's pretty old, though, and it needs some fixing up every month or so. My dad is very old school, and he deals with people he likes, even if they overcharge him. He's been using the same plumber for years, the same electrician, the same gardener, etc. This happened back in my home country, Jordan. The country is mostly Muslim, but my family is Christian. So we wake up that day, and the whole kitchen is flooded. My dad had recently got a new water filter installed, and it had been giving them trouble since they first got it. My dad had to leave, but he called a water filter guy to come and fix whatever was going on. The water filter guy said that he would be there in a couple of hours. About an hour later, the doorbell rings, and my brother opens the door. It's a man in a suit with a little briefcase. My brother thought it was one of the doctors for my husband, so he immediately invited him in. The man corrects him and says that he's not a doctor. He's there for the water filter. My mom knows the water filter guy. This is not him. But she just assumed that the original guy sent this guy ahead. So my mom asks what he needs. Now I'm in and out of this whole situation as I'm caring for my husband. The man then went to the roof to look at the water tanks. He took pictures of them. He came back down and sat in the kitchen with my mom telling her what he thinks the issue is. The tanks needed replacing. He told us how much he thought they would cost and all that. So my mom calls my dad and passes the phone to the man who gives my dad the rundown. My dad then says he'll talk to his original guy about the price. The man starts arguing with my dad on the phone to the point that my dad yells at him and hangs up. At this point, my mom kind of apologetically asks him to leave and that my dad will talk to his boss because that's what he prefers. The man says, what boss? She tells him his name, and the man says he's never heard of that guy before in his life. Now my mom is freaking out, and she asks him, who sent him? He says that nobody sent him. So she asks how much she owes him so that she can quickly get him out of the house. He said that he noticed the man in the hospital bed, and his only payment is that he's going to ask God to heal him. And then he left. And that was it. My dad's actual guy showed up a little later and fixed the filter. But my mom and I were upset about the whole thing. We talked to my dad and my dad's guy and the nurse that was there that day and my brother who opened the door. And none of us could figure out how this happened or who he was. This man just showed up to check the water filters on the same day that the water filters burst but didn't want any compensation. Nobody sent him. How can this be? It still bugs me. My mom thinks that he's an afreet or a demon. I really don't know. 
I was going through a lot at the time, so my mind might have not been all there. But has anyone else experienced this? Can you offer any help or any ideas? Michigan Cryptid by Brooke When I was a kid, spending summers at my grandpa's house by the lake in Michigan was the highlight of my year. Compared to where my mom and I lived, grandpa's place felt like a different world. It wasn't just the calm lake and the woods around it. A lot of my dad's family, including my uncles and aunts and a bunch of cousins, lived nearby too. So every time school was out, we'd pack up and head to Grandpa's, which basically became my summer home. One of the summers when I had just entered high school, my cousin had picked up vaping. Yeah, yeah, I know. She was pretty sneaky about it, or so she thought. She would always walk out to the lake to avoid getting caught by the adults, even though our uncle knew. One night, I decided to follow her out just to hang out by the lake for a bit. We were sitting there, quietly talking by the water, when we both saw something that neither of us could explain. Out from the shadows near the old boathouse, this creature appeared. It wasn't like any animal I'd ever seen or heard of. This thing was pale, almost white, and it had really long arms and legs that looked too thin and weirdly shaped. Its eyes were the scariest part. They were big and kind of glowed in the dark. This creature seemed just as surprised to see us as we were to see it, because it let out this deep growling sound that didn't sound like anything I'd ever heard. A muffled screech is the best way I can describe it. I froze and my cousin grabbed my arm and yanked me as she started running away. I spun around and we ran back to the house as fast as our legs could carry us. When we got back and told everyone about what we saw, most of them thought it was a joke. They laughed it off, suggesting it was probably just a prank by someone from around the lake, or maybe it was just our imaginations running wild. There's no way it could have been a costume, and we knew what we saw. It wasn't anything normal or explainable. My grandpa, who pretty much knows everything there is to know about the area, shared with us that there have always been stories and rumors about strange creatures in Michigan. Not just at our lake, but deep in the woods and hidden in the caves, there were tales of things that no one could quite explain. He figured that, with the lake being so deep and mostly unexplored, it wasn't too far-fetched to think that there might be something unknown living in it. Our cool uncle agreed and suggested it was a cryptid. For the rest of that summer and every summer after when I visited the lake, I couldn't help but look out for the creature. I only went out at night with the adults. And even though I never saw it up close again, There were a few times when something would catch my eye by the water, and I'd wonder if it was the same thing we saw that night.
that encounter turned into a sort of family legend. We'd often talk about that summer and speculate about the creature by the lake. Maybe there are some things out there that we know nothing about, hidden away in the less explored parts of our planet, but it still leaves us with more questions than answers. Our Childhood Bush House by Black Cat 1206 When we were young, my cousins and I had a bush house at the end of the back garden just before the garden opened up on the heath. Due to me being a full-time wheelchair user from birth, it was Grand's idea that instead of having a treehouse that we climbed, it would be safer and more practical to have a bush house that all of us kids could use. We protested greatly. Although I am disabled, I frequently used to climb trees in the local parks and over the heath, with the help of my cousins, obviously. But Gran's word was final, and we never argued with her, as she was a beautiful and lovely matriarch, but she was also tough as old boots and very scary when pushed. So with that, we busied ourselves on choosing an appropriate bush for our new play area. On selecting a perfect one, Gran delegated tasks to the older boys to clear out the area of the bush and to make it hollow inside with pieces of spare wood from the ground to serve as a basic floor so that my wheelchair could run safely and easily inside it. Gran was reasonably young at the time, and while the boys were doing the heavy work, she arranged for us younger ones to get furniture, supplies, and accessories to make our new play space cozy and comfortable for all of us. A year later, our bush house was in full use. In the daytime, us younger ones played in it after school, on weekends and holidays, and in the evenings and the nights, it was a place where the older cousins could have some privacy away from the eyes of Gran and Mom to do whatever they did. Our bush house was cozy, though. We got chairs, bean bags, and floor cushions donated by relatives and friends of the family. We also had a small table and tablecloth. Our Aunt Jay made some pretty curtains that we hung up the best we could. We even had a cupboard where we kept snacks, and we were allowed to use the camping stove to heat tens of beans, sausages, or even pot noodles and make tea. Gran's bingo friend Jean donated a hand-me-down rug it was shabby and out of date, but we thought it was beautiful. It was slap bang in the middle of the summer holidays, probably in early July, when all of this happened. Loretta and I were seven, and Greta was eleven. Our older cousin and Greta's brother was there earlier, but by three o'clock had grown tired of hanging around with us and had gone out with his mates. The three of them were coming back later to make us dinner on the stove. Loretta and I were sitting at the table playing Beggar Your Neighbor with a pack of playing cards that we got from the living room cupboard, and Greta was sitting in the corner of the bush house on a beanbag reading The Secret Garden for the third time. It was just another normal at-home day. Nothing unusual or odd occurred. Until around four 
when we all heard a sound that was at odds with the peaceful scene. It was between a growl, an owl's hoot, and a man mumbling. We weren't particularly outdoorsy kids, being born and raised in the outskirts of urban London, but being bright little girls, we all knew that owls are nocturnal creatures and the accompanying sounds that were mixed with the hoots didn't come from the same bird. Those weird sounds were joined by a stealthy rustling coming from the back of the bush house. It was near where Greta was sitting. She jumped up, stifling a scream by covering her mouth with her hands. We also saw a dark dog-like shape through the dense foliage of the back of the bush house, which incidentally led straight onto the beginning of the heath that I had said earlier. The strangest thing about this figure was, it was very unpleasant, but rather ethereal, almost as if the figure was attempting to hide intentionally. Throughout this period, there were no other natural sounds, no bird songs, no insect sounds, and no background human noise. Being right in the center of the council estate, you could always hear people talking, cars revving, and dogs barking. All the regular noises of urban community living were gone. At that time, it was as if the entire world had paused, and we three were the only ones conscious and present, along with this mysterious figure. We didn't know what to do, but we gathered together, and both Greta and Loretta took one hand of the wheelchair and pulled me back out of the bush house. We did not take our eyes off of this translucent figure as we left. When we were free from the bush house and close enough to home to feel safe and out of danger, we just looked at each other very doubtfully. We were crapping ourselves, to be honest. Greta said suddenly, Stay here. Don't move or speak. She ran to the garden shed and climbed up the side, then onto the minky, rotting roof. I completely lost it, letting out a squeal of utter fear. Loretta put her hand over my mouth and hushed me. Loretta and I watched as Greta looked over the hedge grove that divided our back garden from the beginning of the heath. From our position, her face was clearly visible. Greta's expression was a mixture of confusion, surprise, and fright, and her pretty brown eyes looked troubled. We waited for G to come back to us before asking her, in earnest, what she saw. She didn't answer straight away, but when she did, she said, it was so strange. I didn't see anything, no dogs, no other animals. She paused, her young mind trying to summon the words to explain what she witnessed. But there was a man. I saw the back of him walking away towards the iron fence. My seven-year-old mind found it hard to comprehend what Greta was saying, and one look at Loretta told me that she was experiencing the same. Together, we both said, What man, Greta? What did he look like? Greta sighed, biting her lip, a habit that she still has today. I didn't see him properly. His face and all that, I only saw his back. He did have really long, scruffy hair, though. Her eyes wandered over nervously to the end of the garden leading out into the public heath. Loretta and I followed Greta's gaze. We all shuddered. 
nobody spoke for ages. For a long time, we sat in silence, Greta and Loretta, sitting on the back step and me in my wheelchair alongside of them. Suddenly, I noticed something and exclaimed to the others, Everything's back to normal, listen. We all listened. The regular everyday noises had returned, and the world appeared to have resumed business as usual. A while later, the older ones came back and sensed some tension from us. They asked what was up. We told them everything, and they ran back to have a look around. They were gone for about 45 minutes. When they returned, they said that they didn't see anything. No strange man, no animals, nothing unusual or dodgy at all. We spent the rest of the day hanging out with the boys, eating dinner in the bush house, and later watching films and eating junk food. We didn't tell mom about the experience until a few years back, long after we were grown, and we still don't know or can't explain what happened that day. As I'm sure you noticed, the jury has spoken about the background music. Yeah, it has. The majority of you seem to like it, and you would think that majority rules in this situation, but <laughs> a good point was made by some of those who didn't like the music. Yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I agree. Yeah, and that's totally fair. We don't want to lose any of you, so we're back to doing business the old-fashioned way. If you still want background sounds, you can always look up ethereal landscapes on YouTube or uh, turn on the microwave. <laughs> yeah, well, it was fun while it lasted. Yep. Well, I guess the moral of Brooke's cryptid story is just say no to vaping. Yeah, uh, I could never be that uncle. I'm an only child, so I'll never be an uncle, but <laughs> still, I, I get it. It's probably not as bad as smoking, but come on. Everybody seems to have that uncle. It seems like the coolest and the worst family stories <laughs> always start with, so my uncle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Do you have any sort of weird or eccentric uncles? You have to. Yeah, of course. To be honest, I have the whole spectrum of uncle types in my family from nice. the monsters that are now rotting in prison um, <laughs> <laughs> to the long haul truck driver with emphysema. Oh, and. Again, smoking is bad, kids. But a lifetime of smoking aside, he was always a really funny guy and like the most unique and hilarious person I ever met. He really was Jim Carrey before Jim Carrey showed up in movies and stuff. I just have so many good fond memories. He was the first adult to talk to me as an equal. I remember this moment. He was so cool and it was neat to not be talked down to as a child for once. Yeah. He's still a weirdo. And he's proud of it, though. <laughs> what about you? Oh, man, so many uncles. <laughs> that's, that's a really weird word, by the way. You ever just <laughs> fixate on a word for too long and it just seems weird? I, I can't really <laughs> explain it, but uncle is just a weird word the longer you say it and look at it. Do you have any, like, weird words like that? Oil. <sighs> you know what? That's one of mine, too. Yeah, like, <laughs> I have words that I enjoy, like... Uh, incognito and espionage those are really cool words but oil oh, is just cool sounding words yeah it, oil is is kind of weird to me i don't know it doesn't roll off the tongue 
I, I don't know. I'm not a fan of oil. I hate the big oil industry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oil and nylons. Those are two words. Oily Ooh. nylons. They, they just feel Yikes. weird to say. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a good band name, though. Yeah, oily nylons. So what about your uncles? I'm invested now. Well, they're all amazing in their own way, but I have one that rides Harleys and smokes a lot of weed. He, uh, <laughs> he was the only drunk person at our huge extended family Christmas party a few years ago. <laughs> and he randomly thanked me and my brother and sister for being nice to him. Wow. He, yeah, he said he was the black sheep of the family, and he was on the verge of tears. It was really sad and Aww. also heartwarming. Poor guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I can't tell you how many stories I've received for my true crime podcast, Let's Not Meet, where somebody shows up pretending to be a repairman. It's usually a case where the person writing in didn't call for a repair and the quote unquote repairman is just trying to get into the house when the parents are away or something like that. Yeah, the tried and true technique. That's mm -hmm. one of the biggest reasons I hate solicitors. Disturbing me is one thing, but there's that whole element of wondering if it's a burglar scoping at the house. So just yeah. no, don't come <laughs> over unless I'm expecting you. Yeah. But in the water filter story, they actually called for someone to come out. Yeah, and that's what makes it so bizarre. Yeah, especially because there's really no explanation for the guy's visit. How did he know they needed a repair if the boss didn't even know about the guy? Yeah, that in and of itself would have been a decent story to tell. But then the guy doesn't charge anything and tells them that he's going to pray for the husband that's sick in the bed in exchange for his services. Yeah, they refer to this guy as possibly being a demon, but I don't know. With the way everything played out, he seemed like more of an angel to me, I've got to say. Yeah, and the author did say that the husband is about 90% recovered and still healing in a note. Yeah, maybe it really was an angel then. Yeah, I still feel like there's just something more to this visit. Like, like what exactly? Well... If you're an angel or some kind of healing entity with psychic abilities, apparently, why even go through the whole process of pretending to be an inspector and actually go up and inspect the tanks? What's the point? Hmm, good point, good point. Maybe he was trying to alert them of some kind of future mishap or accident involving the tanks. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's just such an odd and mysterious encounter. So I know that they're more associated with UFO sightings, but it does make me think of the men in black knocking at your door. Yeah. When you consider the suit and briefcase. Yeah, who shows up to fix someone's water filter tanks in a suit with a briefcase? Hey now, there's nothing wrong with looking good on the job, but <laughs> you're right, this wasn't that job. Yeah. You're not that guy, pal. Trust me, you're not that guy. <laughs> Yeah, totally. I'll be thinking about this story for a while. It was just so weird and interesting. Same. Well, thanks everybody so much for listening. If you have a story to share, make sure you send it in to stories at oddtrails.com so we can take a look and include it on the show. And if you want to get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bit rate for the best listening experience, go to patreon.com forward slash oddtrails to sign up and support the show today. All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. Finally, don't forget to check out the new episodes of my other podcasts like Let's Not Meet a True Horror Podcast and the Old Time Radio Cast at crypticcountypodcasts.com. Everyone stay safe. Peace out.
Don't let the ghosts and the ghouls disturb you, darling.